G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Great to have you along with us. It is the Monday edition of 2020 and what a way to start the working week. Uh, to talk about the type of topic we are discussing today on 2020, it's one that if you're not very familiar what's happening around the world when it comes to Christian believers being persecuted for their faith, you will not want to miss a single word of our coming conversation. Our special guest this coming hour is Nigel from Open Doors. Now, Open, Open Doors just one of those organisations... Uh, I just recently called it a gem of an organisation that keeps us informed as to how we as Christian believers all the way around the world here in Australia respond to Christian believers who are under intense persecution for their faith. Well, let's get our conversation underway today. And just to say that we'll open our talkback lines from now, you can be a part of our conversation. You might be thinking, what can I do from this far away here in Australia for people who are Christian believers under persecution for their faith in other parts of the world. Well, one of those things that you can do is express your heartbeat uh, to uh, acknowledge that there is a challenge, to acknowledge that there is pain that is being felt, that there is death, there is deprivation of the sorts of liberties that we are so used to here in Australia. Well, you can be a part of our conversation today and uh, perhaps even if it is uh, to express your shock uh, that there are things like this happening around the world. Well, let's talk about these issues. Uh, Nigel from Open Doors, great to have you with us here in the studio. Great to be here, Neil. Nigel, uh, listeners to our conversation, regular listeners to 2020, will know that there is a major issue, that there is a major problem for Christian believers, and not just in the Middle East that we've been hearing about, but in so many other nations around the world. It does seem to be that of recent times there has been an upsurge, almost a spike of the persecution of Christian believers around the world. Give us a, a little bit of an in a nutshell uh, uh, overview of what you're hearing through the grapevine today about what's happening for Christian believers around the world. Well, we're seeing the the persecution of Christians around the world increase. Uh, just this year, uh, well, as Open Doors, you know that we serve uh, persecuted Christians in over 60 countries around the world. Uh, this year, we've seen the rise of uh, the persecution of Christians in the secular media has really been come to the forefront. For example, um, the 200 Chibuk girls, the Nigerian girls who were stolen, uh, were Christians. Miriam Ibrahim from Sudan, Sudan, who was sentenced to hang because she wouldn't recant her faith. And what we're seeing in Iraq right now. What we're hearing in the news these days, uh, and we're talking really only this last month or six weeks since all of this stuff really came to the fore and has taken the world's attention, uh, when we start to hear about Christians who are being not only persecuted in a way that might deprive them of some certain rights and liberties, 
But when we're seeing them uh, arbitrarily uh, killed for their faith and uh, dying by the sword, literally losing their heads, uh, and children being put to the sword, uh, these sorts of things, we almost can't believe we're hearing these stories on the radio. We can't believe we're seeing these things on the news. But this is the reality of what's happening, in particularly in the Middle East right now. Very much so. And one of the challenges we face with all the, the news, as you were saying, of the beheadings and of the atrocities that are happening, we can feel overwhelmed and it's all too much. But there are many different ways that as Christians we can get involved and actually do something uh, on the ground. Uh, this doing something, and we are going to talk about this a little uh, through our time ahead as we discuss this, but uh, there is a letter-writing campaign that Open Doors is running at this point. And you are asking listeners to our conversation right now to be a part of this letter-writing campaign uh, for believers, and this particular focus on believers in Syria, where, of course, as we've been looking about what's happening with ISIS, the uh, the reformation of an Islamic state, an Islamic caliphate, uh, there is a challenge that's happening with Christian believers now. They're being pushed across borders out of Syria, and uh, and you're saying Open Doors wants to support those Christian believers who are under that persecution it's a good time to write a letter. What's so important about writing a letter uh, that could get into the hands of one of those believers? Well, here's some examples. Uh, one of the things that we do with Open Doors is presence ministry. We're there. We're in these countries. We're, we're with the believers. And a couple of examples with the letter writing campaigns, which we run quite often. Uh, we ran a letter writing campaign, an international letter writing campaign for the son of uh, Haik Hosvepian, who was the Iranian uh, leader who was martyred. Now, his 10-year-old son, Andre, uh, when his dad was martyred uh, horrifically, uh, said that he was asking the question, you know, my dad's just been killed. God, where are you in all of this? He was going through the grief. He was 10 years old and walking through the horror of what he was walking through. Now, he said during that time when he was saying, you know, where are you in the midst, God? Uh, thousands, literally thousands of letters came in from around the world to him. Uh, and he said that he put them up in his room around his walls and so that every single uh, wall in his room was covered with these notes of encouragement, these scripture verses. And he said it was like God speaking to him and saying, yes, you've lost your father, but you have a family around the world who love you and support you and are praying for you. Uh, we saw in uh, Chabuk just recently, uh, we did a letter writing campaign, international letter writing campaign to the families of these 200 girls that were, were stolen by Boko Haram. And again, they were in awe of the fact that they weren't alone in the midst of this, but that they were, uh, people knew, around the world knew what they were going through and were standing with them and writing letters of encouragement and scriptures, and they were hand-delivered to them. So the big message is you are not alone. Yes. And so when we have a letter-writing campaign like the one we have started now, uh, really a good time for you to spend just a few minutes writing a short note of encouragement. There's some guidelines as to how you can write a letter when you go online at vision.org.au and be a part of this latest Open Doors letter writing campaign. Writing a letter, it's, uh, it's more than just sending a message by a text or a on the telephone or on a, some sort of social media because it is something that's tangible that can be put into the hands. And when you say people pinning them to their wall and their wall might not be very uh, flash, it mightn't be a very uh, 
uh, elaborate wall to put on, but just to know that there is something that's tangible, that someone is there praying, that someone is thinking of them, this does something in the heart. Absolutely. Uh, Because when the persecution comes like this, there is a very much a sense of isolation. Uh, You know, everything's being stripped away. I may have lost family members. Uh, It's horrendous. And there's a sense of isolation that can come in. But to actually physically physically receive, as well as as food aid and, and all that sort of thing as well, but to physically receive a note that somebody on the other side of the world has taken the time to actually write a letter of encouragement saying, I know what you're going through, I'm praying for you, uh, stand firm. To get that, to get thousands of those is such an encouragement because it lets them know that they're not alone, that they're not forgotten. And when you talk about an individual receiving lots of letters, uh, in this particular letter writing campaign that we're talking about now, I guess there is so much a vast need for this level of support uh, that whole families might just need to rely on one letter of encouragement. Uh, it'd be nice to get lots of letters to single individual families or individual people, but uh, but the, the the need is so vast now. Uh, I mean, there isn't really uh, probably enough letters that will come in to meet the need that is there for people to be encouraged. It would be, it would be great if we had thousands of letters coming in and notes of encouragement. Um, here's another example. We're talking about the individuals uh, inside one of the, the very uh, severe hotspots in the Middle East right now. Uh, we did a letter writing campaign and the pastors took them back to some of these cities that are under intense uh, pressure and persecution. One of the pastors told us that he put string up through the church building, up right through the, the roof, hanging down the walls, and he hung the letters of encouragement, the postcards and all that sort of thing from them before the congregation came in. When the congregation came in, he said it was like Christmas because as they walked in, there was this sense of wonder and awe uh, as they went round, and he said they literally spent hours and hours going round, reading and looking at the pictures and reading the notes of encouragement. And for someone who is in the Middle East uh, to be thinking and feeling the love that comes from someone in Australia is going to be something perhaps even extra special because we are so far away. Because we are so far away and and that lets them know that they're not alone. Well, you can be a part of our conversation today and I want to invite listeners to perhaps just share your heartbeat. You might not know what to say, but you know you want to say something, uh, something that makes you to stand in some solidarity with Christian brothers and sisters on the other side of the world who are going through such intense times of persecution. Our number is one eight hundred eighty eight zero eighty seven six. That's one eight hundred eighty eight zero eighty seven six. And uh, even if you wanted to just pass on your encouragement. Uh, publicly to Nigel from Open Doors. These guys do such a fabulous job and uh, supporting believers around the world. Uh, Nigel, we'll come back and we'll talk some more about those letter-writing campaigns. Uh, Let me just say, uh, each year, Open Doors produces the World Watch List, 1 to 50 of the countries around the world who are uh, graded uh, in their levels of persecution of Christian believers. Uh, It's an amazing uh, World Watch list, and it draws our attention to the fact that there is severe persecution. It's not just one or two countries that you might see on the news. Fifty countries. Uh, Let's come back to the number one country on there, and it's it's not the Middle East that we're looking at at the moment, North Korea. Tell me about what's happening. North Korea. For the past 13 years, North Korea has been number one on the World Watch list as the most... uh, 
oppressive and persecuted country for Christians. Now, we know our networks, we, have, we know of 400,000 believers in the underground church inside North Korea. 70,000 of them are in labor camps. You would have seen at the end of last year, uh, just to give some idea of the, of the oppression that's in that country, at the end of last year, uh, in a lot of the, the secular media, we saw that North Korea had cracked down and had executed a whole bunch of people. They actually were executed for having foreign videos or owning a Bible. And in one case, uh, believers, there was about 10 people went out. Some of them were believers and they'd been, their crime was to own a Bible. They were taken into a stadium. They filled the stadium with people and they executed them in the midst of it as a message to others. If you're caught with a Bible or if you're caught with, with foreign stuff, this is what's going to happen to you. And yet Jesus Christ, in the midst of that, the, the worst uh, persecuted country in the world, Jesus is building his church. Mm. You can be a part of our conversation, one eight hundred eighty eight zero eighty seven six. if you want to uh, talk about standing in solidarity with Christian believers under intense persecution around the world. Uh, you can be a part of that, one eight hundred eighty eight zero eight seven six. Let's take a call from Michael in Coburg in Victoria. Hello, Michael. Welcome back to 2020. Oh, how are you, Neil? I'm well, Michael. Good to hear from you today. What's your uh, contribution to what we're talking about? Oh, I was just going to say, what really saddens me is that... Um you know, people in the West are throwing Bibles out. I mean, I was, I was doing a job, you know, for like a hotel and they got all them, you know, Bibles that they put in the room and no one wants them. So I've had to take them all. But just to, my, no one appreciates the Bible in the West anymore. They've thrown it into the river, the Maru River, you know, and um, I mean, obviously there are people who do, but, you know, the majority of people today just look at it as just another book and um, it's just really disappointing because that's the only thing that's going to hold him back to evil in our, in our society is... Is obviously God, you know. He's, you know, pulling the ranks back. But if people keep rejecting God, the evil's just going to keep coming through. You know, it's going to come through in our society too. So the West might be sitting well now, but you know, things change quickly. So I think we've got to be really cautious that we don't get arrogant and prideful and think it's never going to happen to us. Because the reality is, if it's happening to them, well, the, these these fruitcakes, or I'll call them, um, you know, lunatics or mental institution people. I don't know where they come out of, but. You know they're, they're all in the they're loose and they're all over the world now and they're and they're not going to stop. You know what I mean? They're not mm. unless Michael. Let's hear from Nigel. Uh, Nigel, Michael's making a few good points there. Michael, very good points. Uh, as we've just discussed uh, in North Korea, the Bible is like gold, literally like gold. The believers treat it like gold, uh, and they can give that the, they can it can cost them their life just to be caught with the Bible. Uh, and sometimes I think that you're right that that in Australia in the Western world. Uh, because we have so much freedom uh, that we take the word of God for, for granted, very much so. Michael. Uh, and, yeah, and I was going to say, see, God is a, is a God of um, freedom and he's given us equal liberty. So he's given us all free choice. And when people have made a choice and they're choosing to reject God and his truth, and they've literally handcuffed themselves in bondage, and I think our society is going to end up in bondage eventually too. I don't think the West will make it. I mean, the East is going to rise up. I think we're going to be the tail, uh, well, and, the, and the east is going to be the head. I well, let's not be too pessimistic about that right now. And uh, I think uh, the encouragement there, Michael, is to 
encourage Christian believers to be more dedicated, more committed in their Christian faith than they have ever been. And for those who are half-hearted, for those who may be lukewarm, this is a time to become red-hot believers, so ones who know what it is to count the cost of being a believer. Michael from Coburg, thanks for, for, for being with us today here on 2020. A couple of things that Michael mentioned there, and when we talk about the, the way that we are so apathetic about the Bible, Nigel, the Bible has the power to transform lives and even bring down dictatorial regimes. The Bible is such a powerful instrument in the right hands, but we have to actually have it as a part of our lives, don't we? Absolutely, we do. Uh, in many of these countries, many of the believers can actually quote entire books of the Bible uh, because they just meditate in it all the time. Because, it's, as I said, it's like gold, whereas we, we get busy. You know, we may not spend that time in the, in the Word. Going back to the apathy that, that can be seen around the country or in the West, uh, I've personally been very encouraged. Uh, we organized a, a day of prayer for Iraq uh, on the 23rd of uh, August, so that's next Sunday. And the take-up from that around the country and beyond internationally has been amazing. Tens of thousands of people have stepped up and are organizing prayer meetings around the country. The other thing on that uh, is that we've got uh, a blog. We've actually got people on the ground inside Iraq. I can't go into too much detail about that. But there are blogs. They're writing daily updates of what's happening on the ground. Uh, That's on our website as well. And being informed, as is an important part of being supportive, because if you're not informed, you don't know what's going on. How do you know how to pray? How do you know how to ask this hour? Nigel from Open Doors, and we're talking about... Christian believers who are persecuted for their faith in so many countries around the world. Nigel, we've been talking about the Middle East. We talked about Africa and Nigeria. Remember those schoolgirls that were abducted. Uh, Let's come back to North Korea, though, which is number one on your world watch list. Uh, The stories that you're hearing of believers who've been persecuted for their faith in North Korea are quite astounding. It's almost like they're hard to believe. What sort of stories just roll off uh, your lips uh, when you're talking to people about what's happening in North Korea? Well, there's always there's always two stories. There's the story of the persecution, but there's also the story behind the story, which is the glory of God. And, for example, again, in North Korea, uh, if you're caught with a Bible, uh, three generations of your family can go to a labor camp or be executed straight away. And yet... We're seeing the miraculous. The, the believers in North Korea, all they have is Jesus. That's it. Uh, you know, here we've got all these other things we, we try first, but all they have is Jesus, so they go to him first. And we see this time and time again. They know how to hear from God. One believer was telling me that uh, he was uh, fasting and praying and they're just seeking the Lord. And about 11 o'clock one night, he felt the Lord tell him to go up to a, a cave in the mountain. And so... Yep, he was obedient. He went up to this cave in the mountain about 11 o'clock at night. And in that cave in the mountain, there were about 80 other believers uh, all gathered together. Nobody had organized it. They'd all just heard from God and they all had met in this cave on this night. And he said that they, they quietly shared communion. They prayed for one another and then they all went back to their homes before the sun went up. And we hear story after story after story of God moving in the midst of all this. The challenge that is here, interestingly, terminology we sometimes use, and uh, when we say people have nothing and all they have is Jesus, the challenge for us is to say 
all they have is Jesus, but that's not all they need. <laughs> they need to have their personal uh, care needs, uh, uh, hygiene needs, uh, uh, all sorts of uh, family issues to be looked after. I mean, parents with children who have nothing. Well, if we can be here in Australia and say all they need is Jesus, we're missing the point. Absolutely. They need a whole lot more than just Jesus. Yes, they're holding on to Jesus, but meeting people's needs when they're at those low points in persecution, Nigel, this is one of the big challenges, isn't it? It is, and that's where the body of Christ comes in because we talk about the persecuted church and the free church, but there's only one church. We are persecuted. Uh, and an example of the, the material uh, assistance is Iraq. Mm. For, for, well, even before Saddam Hussein uh, was kicked out, when he was in power, Open Doors took in over a half a million children's Bibles and materials under that regime. Now, in Iraq, for example, we've seen the uh, when Saddam was taken out, the population, the Christian population of Iraq was around about 1.3 million. Uh, in 2013, it was 300,000. Over a million people had fled or, or been killed. And what we're seeing now, uh, with ISIS moving in and killing, literally systematically killing the Christians and pushing them out, we're seeing on the ground physical help. We're doing, uh, as well as other ministries, but we're doing uh, emergency relief kits and hygiene kits. Because you're right, we can pray, we can write letters, but we have to do something physically. I mean, it's not enough, is it, to sit back and do nothing? Because uh, that's the temptation, is that this is just another conversation about some people in need. But these are Christian brothers and sisters with nothing and whose lives are at risk. And so the challenge here is to find a way. It's not a matter of sitting back doing nothing. It's find a way that you can help because that's what our responsibility is. Absolutely. Uh, and as I was saying, there's so many ways. The first thing, as you nailed it, we have to get informed. We have to find out what's going on. I was a Christian actively involved in church for 13 years, had no idea about the persecution of Christians, that, that people in different countries didn't even have a Bible. Uh, and we're seeing an uptake with the secular media, with Chibuk and with Iraq. We're seeing a lot uh, more awareness come, even with, the, even with the Christians in Australia, of the fact that Christians around the world, our brothers and sisters, are being persecuted for our faith in Jesus Christ. So once we've, once we've been informed, then we need to find out what we can do. We can pray, absolutely. We can get financially involved to help with PACs and, and material support. Uh, and we can also advocate. Advocate. So there are many ways that we can physically get involved, and God calls us to. We need to know, to know what to, what we can do, and we need to find out from the Lord what do you want me to do in this situation. We are taking calls this hour. Talkback line is open one eight hundred eighty eight zero eighty seven six. If you'd like to be a part of our conversation, we're talking about persecuted believers and uh, your opportunity to share your heartbeat with us today. Beryl is in Dimboola. Hello, Beryl. Welcome to 2020. Hi. Beryl, we're talking about a pretty serious topic today. What are your thoughts? My thoughts, I'm very thankful to actually um, be informed about what's happening, what's really happening in the world out there. It's very easy to be very insular and... um, really neglect uh, the fellow believers and fellow sufferers and I just want to acknowledge that and um, think that it's a very good idea to actually have the the writing um, for encouragement for those that are going through great difficulty. Beryl, when you're informed you know how to pray, is that uh, what you're saying? Without being informed you're in the dark. But that's right. If you don't really understand the extent of the suffering, you you can't really enter in 
to it in the right way. You can't pray um, in, in an informed way. Nigel. I, I totally agree, Beryl. Um, I think that the, the more we're aware of what's going on, the more we can actively get involved. Uh, we can tell our friends, we can raise awareness, we can pray, which is very, very important. It's crucial. Uh, but we can also get involved in other ways, materially and adv- be advocates and all sorts of things. So I totally agree. Beryl from Dimboola, thank you so much for being a part of 2020 today. Picking up something that uh, Beryl was sharing there and uh, knowing what we're hearing in the media, uh, well, people can be listening to our conversation today and it is, it is an, a step forward in becoming informed about what's going on in different areas around the world. If you don't listen a lot to what we're talking about, though, and you're watching the secular media, you're seeing about violence and unrest and you're hearing words like genocide uh, but you're not necessarily relating that to being a Christian because that word Christian doesn't always creep into the media reports we're hearing Nigel Uh, what does that say to you about the sorts of ways that Australians are informed about those issues around the world Uh, well through ministries like Open Doors uh, as you were saying Neil we put out the world watch list which is a comprehensive list of of the persecution of Christians and the questions that uh, go together to make up the list, uh, number one, can you be a Christian? In North Korea, you can't. Uh, as a Christian, are you overlooked for work or whatever it may be because you're a Christian? All these questions come to make up the World Watch List and we do the ranking. Uh, and part of what we do with the World Watch List is to raise awareness to say around the world over 100 million Christians are persecuted for our faith in Jesus Christ. Now, we hear the stats, we hear the 100 million and the big numbers and everything, but every single one of those is an individual person. And I always try and put myself in the, in the shoes of the people, our brothers and sisters in Iraq uh, or even in North Korea. If this was happening to my family, to my kids, to my wife, I would want everybody in the world to know and I would want people to actually do something about it to help me. Uh, let's continue to take some calls. You can be a part of our conversation, one eight hundred eighty eight zero eighty seven six. Let's hear from Judith, who's from Donald in Victoria. Hello, Judith. Welcome to 2020. Hello. Um, <clears throat> I just had a question whether, um, I don't know, it could be off the track a bit, but the, when the refugees do get out here, the government says they're going to accept quite a few um, from Iraq, and I wondered uh, to get them out of the refugee camps. A lot of us are in quite big houses, and if we invited them into our homes, would that help them get out of the refugee camps quicker and be able to be um, in a Not more sure place, if perhaps? the politics is uh, what you're. Uh, uh, expert on here, Nigel, but uh, you know we've seen the Australian government being more open to taking uh, these uh, uh, refugees from Iraq. Um, is what uh, Judith's saying? Is that a fair thing? Is I mean, there's a big process to get to a point with what Judith's talking about there. Very much so, and I think it's wonderful that the, the Australian government's uh, taking refugees from this horrific situation. Uh, many of the church leaders in Iraq uh, are saying, you know, help us stay. Um, because if Iraq is emptied of Christians completely, if they all flee, and then Syria, and then it'll it'll go. So a lot of the church leaders, Andrew White and many of the others, are saying, you know, help us stay for the long term. Uh, so it's wonderful to get people out, 
but we also need to look at, at what's happening with the church leaders and the, and the Christians who want to stay in that country and, and be the church in that nation. Judith, I'm not sure. Was that helpful at all? Yeah, I, it is, yeah. Judith, thanks Thank so much you. for being a part of 2020 today. Well, not so much talking about the Australian government's response, although it's heartening to hear of the Australian government uh, being responsive to taking those refugees, and that's a part of uh, the already in place uh, quota of refugees that are coming into Australia. Nothing to do with boat people, I guess, when we talk about that particular issue. And that would be another issue for another day when it comes to refugees. But today, talking about persecuted believers around the world, so uh, if you'd like to be part of our conversation, one eight hundred eighty eight zero eighty seven six. our number. Katie is from Caniva in Victoria. Hello, Katie. Hello. Katie, what's your contribution to our conversation today? Uh, yeah. Um, hi, Neil and Nigel. I just, um, sorry, I've lost my voice. I haven't got it back yet. But I just wanted to say when Nigel started telling about that um, Iranian boy, I mean, I was just bawling my eyes out. And I'm just so grateful that you are informing us about what's going on. Um, myself and my children actually pray for the persecuted church around the world every day. I mean, it's really hard to pray, you know, for every person because, like as you said, there are so many people being persecuted, but every single day we pray for the persecuted church um, and the widows and the orphans and we pray for Israel and the Hebrew people throughout the nations. And... Yeah, just I want to get involved in that letter writing ministry. I actually rang my fiance and told him, and he wants to get involved. And yeah, I'm just blown away. Um, like I'm just grateful for the information, and I agree with you. It's so important. We need to do everything that we can because, like you said, what if it was us? What if it was our children or our family? Exactly. Uh, thanks so much for that, Katie. Look, I'm just so incredibly blessed. Uh, by the fact that you and you, you, your family pray for the persecuted church every day. That's, that just blesses me to bits. Um, our family do, of, of course, uh, every day uh, because they are our family. They literally are. Uh, it's mums and dads and grandparents and kids and it's people just like us who, who worship Jesus Christ just like us and they're paying an incredible price for it. So thank you so much for your prayers. Katie, yeah. thank you very much for being part of 2020 today. It leads to an important uh, issue here where you've got local churches, and most local churches have a prayer meeting, Nigel, and uh, I'm sure that there would be some local churches that are self-absorbed, uh, you know, praying for the children's ministry. And, of course, those are important issues, and we don't want to neglect praying for children's ministry and the men's ministry and the women's ministry and uh, the worship team and those sorts of things. But, but there are obviously going to be some local churches that in their regular weekly prayer meeting they haven't got the sorts of issues that we're talking about today on the agenda. And it would be a good thing, would it not, to have be, those listed? It would be an incredibly good thing. Uh, we have hundreds of, of prayer groups that pray regularly around Australia, and many churches join in on that. But imagine if every church in Australia, during their service time on a Sunday, uh, actually had a couple of key points to pray for the persecuted church. And in unity, as a congregation, there was a, a, some time that was set aside to actually pray for the persecuted church and maybe pick a country each week or whatever's in the headlines or whatever it is, but pray because 
there's, there's power in prayer and obviously in unity as well. And, you know, 12 months, two years ago, uh, there wasn't the same level of persecution as is happening now or that we are seeing in the media now uh, reporting on those issues. Uh, so today, more than ever, there is a real need to be in prayer for the persecuted church. You know, uh, when I talk to uh, one of our uh, regular guests about persecution, Elizabeth Kendall, who I know uh, is a friend of yours, uh, she talks about the value of coming into the courts of the Lord. And when we're in prayer, bringing our uh, petitions, our requests into the courts of the Lord, there is no higher court to go to uh, than to bring our request before God. Absolutely. We know from Genesis to Revelation, we know that prayer works. We know the authority we have in Christ as believers, and we know that we can come boldly before the throne of grace with our prayers and petitions. And we know, we see it time and time again, that we can be sitting here in Australia, in our lounge room or in our church, or praying for specific situations on the other side of the world, and we know that God hears and he moves. Now, encouragement, too, to be a part of the letter-writing campaign, the latest one that is being run by Open Doors, uh, gives you an opportunity to write a letter that will find its way eventually into the hands of persecuted believers who are streaming across the borders out of Syria. Now, as I understand it, more than a million people in Syria have been displaced. They are streaming across borders. 160,000 lives have been lost. So you can imagine those refugees who are moving out of Syria looking for some uh, form of stability for their life, to be able to receive a letter that comes from an Australian Christian believer that says, I know where you are, I know that your plight is difficult, but I'm standing by you. Well, the number, the uh, the website to go to, of course, is vision.org.au. On there, you'll find a banner. Click on that banner. You'll find out how you can participate in that letter-writing campaign. It's Open Door's latest campaign for those uh, refugees in Syria. We'll come back and talk some more in just a few moments. There's so much more to talk about when it comes to these issues of persecution. Nigel from Open Doors is our guest. Uh, we'll continue that conversation in just a few moments. It's Neil with you on 2020. Nigel from Open Doors, our guest this hour. We're talking about issues of persecution around the world. And while you're seeing those images on the news each evening that's going on in northern Iraq, it's far, far more extensive than just northern Iraq. There are those nations in North Africa. We've been talking about North Korea. Let me just come back to this letter-writing campaign that's going on at the moment. Uh, the latest Open Doors letter-writing campaign, people can get the details at vision.org.au and uh, you'll be able to send your letter directly to Open Doors and it will find its way into the hands of a Syrian refugee. Uh, some of these letters will go into the hands of uh, believers who've come across the border. Uh, Nigel, others even within the borders of Syria will get a hold of them. Within Syria, within Syria we are sending some of these letters into inside Syria. Uh, Open Doors works with the persecuted church to strengthen it. Uh, 60 years ago, just on 60 years ago, when Brother Andrew founded the ministry, the, the, the foundational scripture that he got was Revelation 3 verse 2, which says, wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. And so we're working with the leaders in Iraq, with the leaders in Syria, inside Syria. Uh, one leader made a comment that, that blew my mind. 
he said that when the he said God has called us to stay inside Syria. Uh, he said when the uh, civil war broke out and and all the atrocities started to happen, he said all the countries closed their embassies and and removed their ambassadors. But he said if Christ's if Christ's ambassadors leave, there'll be no hope for this country. That's why they're st- that's why we're staying. Uh, he said if heaven's ambassadors leave, there'll be no hope for this country. And we hear that time and time again where you see these shepherds uh, who are committed to stay in the midst of the horror, look after the people, and they, they see people coming to Christ. They actually see uh, conversions taking place in the midst of the horror. And we have heard stories of Christian leaders who have been martyred for their faith. Uh, and then we are encouraged, as you say, by those who have decided to stay because those who have decided to stay are really laying their lives on the line. And they, as far as uh, stories I've heard earlier, they just say that because there are Christian believers who are in the communities, how can they, as a minister of the gospel, abandon those Christian believers when they are called there to serve and to provide that pastoral care in the in the in the situation they're in uh, those are the sorts of leaders we're talking about receiving letters of encouragement yes these are the leaders that will be getting the letters of encouragement to share with their congregations inside the country uh, Nigel we're talking about that letter writing campaign i suspect uh, that if people wanted to write two letters, three letters, five letters, uh, that really uh, the more the merrier, the more the uh, the opportunity there to be an encouragement to believers. Absolutely. We're, we're talking of hundreds of thousands of believers uh, who could be impacted by these letters uh, because they'll go to different places, they'll be displayed, they'll be passed around and around and around, I would say, uh, and it will be an incredible encouragement to know that they're not alone and and to get these letters of encouragement. Now, children can be a part of this too because children drawing pictures and writing a a short little message, and they might not understand what's going on, but tell me about the impact that children's pictures can make. Enormous. Let's have a look at Syria, for example. There are well over one million children under the age of 12 years of age who haven't been to school for three years who are are displaced. Uh, And for these children, for their parents... To actually get a drawing by a child in Australia, for example, you know, just a simple child's drawing with praying for you or something simple like that will rock their worlds. And I guess as a parent and you've got children and you're saying, well, you know, wouldn't it be a great thing if we could pray? Uh, this is a way that you can introduce your children to the idea that there are children on the other side of the world who are not uh, sitting around a comfortable dinner table and, uh, you know, with their mobile device and uh, lots of great friends from school and party activities on the weekend, that children are missing out on those things, but children can be a part of understanding that there are Christian children on the other side of the world who don't have what we have in Australia. Absolutely. And again, for a child, for a young child in Syria who would have seen horrendous things in their short life lifespan, um, to actually receive a, a note or a little drawing from another child would be an incredible blessing. So I, I'd encourage people, you know, with Sunday schools or um, with schools or whatever it is, maybe maybe have a bit of a program where they where they write the kids write letters 
to the to the Christian children in uh, in Syria. We've been getting calls uh, from people saying, how do I actually be a part of this letter writing campaign? Uh, Let me point you to vision.org.au. You'll see on the front page at vision.org.au how you can send grace and love to Syrian refugees. And uh, just the note there that I've just received that there have been callers calling and asking how they can be a part of it. So uh, go to vision.org.au and you can be a part of that letter writing campaign. There's so many different dimensions to what we're talking about here, Nigel. Let's come back to Nigeria. We heard about those hundreds of schoolgirls who were abducted. Uh, There were all sorts of stories that there may even be links with those schoolgirls being sent back into villages as suicide bombers. I mean, these sorts of things... Uh, hard to believe, but there are trends and those things are dreadful. But there's a new development now. It's not just young girls being abducted, but also young boys. Yes, we've recently got a, an update that from a different area that over 100 young boys, men and young boys, uh, were kidnapped. That's that's all we have on that, in, that information at the moment. But going back to the, the girls from Chibuk, 200 girls uh, were kidnapped, uh, possibly sold off uh, sex slaves or who knows what. Uh, that was months ago now, and they, there's still no news of them. Uh, but and it made it made huge media around the world. You know, bring back our girls, the hashtag, the whole thing. But the reality is that every single day in Nigeria, in countries like Pakistan, in Egypt, young Christian girls are kidnapped. Uh, they disappear. They're forcefully married off, or they're sold into the sex trade. Uh, every single day. So this is this is a. Uh, the highlight that this has brought to a much, much bigger picture. Uh, Many countries around the world, this is happening on a daily basis. And I guess the truth is governments around the world cannot do anything about a lot of these atrocities that are being committed. There just is no way to be able to combat uh, the sorts of issues that we're talking about that happen from a religious motivation because these things are being uh, propagated throughout communities. Really, Christian believers who are in those communities find themselves at risk. And so uh, so actually taking action isn't an easy thing. So uh, standing by those who are under the persecution is, is one way that we can actually do something to help. Absolutely. I mean, as you're saying, in many of these countries, the government just, it happens. Christians are seen as second-rate citizens, and they don't really, even if they take these cases to court, the chances are many of the times they won't see their, their daughters again. Nigel, coming back to Iraq, where when you talk about second-class citizens, the idea of dimmies or dimitude, uh, we heard about those three options that Christian believers had. It was either uh, get out of town, pay a tax, or lose your head or die by the sword. Mm. Uh, that uh, that second option, pay a tax, is what happens uh, to Christian believers in these Islamic nations. In many, well, this is an extreme case, but yes, this is absolutely the dimitude thing, uh, where the the three options they're given uh, convert, convert to Islam, uh, pay the jizya, which is a tax. It's, it's basically protection money. Uh, and that means if you pay the jizya, that means that I own you. Uh, so you're paying protection money, but I can come in at any point and I can take something from your house or, you, or your wife or your daughters or whatever it is. And the third option is uh, the sword, basically die. So convert, pay the jizya tax, uh, or, the, uh, or die by the sword. And 
while we would not have even 12 months ago perhaps thought these things could happen, how could anyone with any level-headed logic understand how these things could happen? But we are seeing these things on our screens and uh, we're even seeing these things happening at the hands of Australians who are called into uh, these uh, uh, battles uh, that are on the side of Islamists who are undertaking jihad in places like Syria and in northern Iraq. Uh, those that's we haven't even got time to get into that's that type of thing. But uh, but what we're talking about today, standing alongside Christian believers who are facing such intense persecution. This intense persecution is something that we have to come to grips with uh, if we're going to take any sort of way forward. And uh, just the work of Open Doors is quite amazing when it comes to this. Let me ask you, we're running short of time here, but for Christian believers in these locations, sometimes we talk about that terminology, secret believers, and Christians are oftentimes having to be very secretive about their faith. Very secretive. Uh I mean, you know, back in the in the New Testament times, around the Book of Acts and beyond, uh, you know, they'd draw the sign of the fish, uh, and they'd meet underground in the underground churches. And the same thing's happening today uh, in North Korea. They do have church, but it's very, very much underground. The other thing uh, with secret believers that we see is a lot of Muslims come to Christ, but they won't tell their families because their families will kill them, and so they are secret. They live as secret believers, so they may meet in small groups. They'll, they'll do Bible studies, they'll pray together, but on the surface, they'll actually live as normal. And as you're a part of the letter-writing campaign, it may be that your letter or your postcard or your children's drawing may well find its way into the hands of someone who is a secret believer. Uh, Nigel, the Middle East is on fire right now. Uh, Christians under the hand of oppressors and atrocities being committed. Um, I wonder whether we might take just a, a very short moment for you to lead us in prayer so that we can lead the nation in, uh, in a way that will uh, bring their condition into the courts of the Lord. Let's just very quickly uh, have a prayer time. Father in heaven, we thank you that we can come boldly before your throne of grace with our prayers and our petitions. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who answers prayer. And right now, Lord, as your children, we bring the nation of Iraq to you. Father, we pray for our brothers and sisters on the ground who are paying such a horrendous cost, horrendous price. And Lord, we just pray that you would comfort them that you'd show yourself near to them, and that the believers around the world would support them. And Father, we also pray for the extremists, for the ISIS extremists. Lord, we pray that they would have Damascus Road experiences. We pray that they would, we pray that they would uh, have supernatural encounters with the living Christ, and that they would turn from persecutors to proclaimers of the gospel. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Nigel from Open Doors, just a pleasure having your insights today. And I know that listeners will be greatly encouraged to be a part of the letter writing campaign. I'd point people to vision.org.au. Of course, this coming Sunday, the day of prayer for Iraq, uh, there will be listeners who will be wanting to bring that to their local church and to pray this coming Sunday too. Uh, Nigel, appoint people to the Open Doors website, opendoors.org.au. And uh, to just finally say thank you so much for being part of 2020 today. Thanks, Neil. 
Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts. Or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.